0: We have another high-profile college football coach firing, plus a soccer legend's career is over and we'll look at the coming launch of ESPN Bet. It's Monday, November 13th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter and this is Front Office Sports Today. a has let go of Jimbo Fisher with uh, around $76 million left on his contract. He is going to receive that money, whether or not he takes another job or whatever he does. Joining me now to discuss is Foreign Office Sports newsletter co-author David Rumsey. Welcome, David.
1: Hey, Owen. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, great to have you. So, oh, yeah. Jimbo Fisher's been let go. There's no scandal here. It's just they were, um, you know, ready to move on despite all the the money on his contract. What's your reaction here?
1: Yeah, it just shows that these schools where college football is so prevalent can do pretty much whatever they want. Because, like you said, there was no need to get rid of Jimbo Fisher for some sort of scandal or controversy going on they're just not happy with his performance and they have enough boosters to easily supply that uh, 75 plus million dollars which is just crazy when we're talking about realignment and revenue and millions of dollars being thrown around and how important revenue is to these schools but then you have a place like Texas Am and They'll just do whatever it takes to win, and they've been paying him a lot, but they're not seeing the results they want to see, so they're ready to go.
0: Yeah, this is sort of another level for me where I've gotten used to college football coaches salaries being, you know, well into the millions at this point. But this feels like the next level of, yeah, we're, we're paying this guy, you know, we've got another 76 million coming to him. But we're just going to treat that as a sunk cost. And then, you know, presumably add on another salary, you know, th- right now they've got an interim coach, but they have to be looking at the next guy, whoever that is. Um, that could be another, you know, eight million dollars per year for you know, depending on who they get. Um, and you'd have to think they'd be looking in that direction um, if if they're willing to make this move.
1: Right, and it's just crazy how quickly things change because. Texas A&M brought uh, Jimbo Fisher there in 2018 after so much success at Florida State, and he was a big hire and seemed to be working out. They gave him this 10-year, almost $100 million extension in 2021, and then one bad season last year, and... They they won on Saturday, but they have a winning record this season. And but he's still going to be out because they're not at the top of the SEC, just trying to be so so competitive. So yeah, it's, it's so much to eat on that contract, and it just doesn't really matter. Uh, it's just incredible, um, you know, how much money these schools have.
0: Yeah, and I'll start to have the thought of yeah. I mean, we saw Mel Tucker, which is obviously its own situation. He was let go. Now Jimbo Fisher um these schools are they've got a lot of dead money now on on these contracts part of me wonders if that'll if some schools will look toward a new model of not dumping tons of money on coaches but as soon as i have that thought i think no they're not <laughs> <laughs> they're going to you know just keep looking for the next guy uh because when you get you know a Jim Harbaugh we can bring up in a moment um you it makes such a difference to your program. right? You know, Deion Sanders, let's say it can totally transform your program. It's just sometimes you, you miss on, on that big hire.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, it is so competitive. You think you have the right guy, um, but it's, it's hard to get the perfect person. And then there's still the Nick Sabans of the world and the Kirby smarts who are just even better than you. But yeah, I do want to talk about Jim Harbaugh because that's another huge uh, contract that Could have something changing. You know, we had the reports er earlier this year of him having a extension offer pulled amid this sign stealing scandal. And now he is suspended from the sidelines for the rest of the big 10 regular season at least um but he's you know was in line to maybe be cracked that top five of highest paid coaches definitely the highest in the big 10 which would put him above ryan day so you know into the tens of millions of dollars uh, annually which is close to what jimbo fisher was making and and that could be on, on the way out too depending on what happens the rest of this season with michigan
0: Yeah, right. It'll be interesting to see if they're just going to wait till this blows over and say, okay, you're still our guy, we're still going to give you a big deal. Or if this has tarnished him enough to, you know, make them want to think about moving on, or if not move on, you know, not give him the next big deal.
1: Not to mention the lawyer fees that will be coming with this uh, scandal, right? Those are the real winners. So despite Jim, Jim Harbaugh will get his money, right? We'll, one way or another buy out or uh, if he stays on coach, uh, but uh, the lawyers will get their money too, as they navigate this uh, suspension and either way, you know, it seems like he'll probably be back for the college football playoff. And I mean, he's not even really gone because he can coach during the week under these terms of this big 10 suspension. but unless then CAA does something uh, in addition to it, you know, he'll be back for the college football playoff. That is if, if they make it, maybe not being there for the Ohio state game will knock them out and they wouldn't make it, but it's, it's, it's a lot of drama. And I I think it's great for college football fans to follow here as we get closer towards uh, Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, absolutely. David Rumsey. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. We have data on the top five networks in terms of total minutes of live sports watched from January to October of this year. number five is ABC with 98.1 billion minutes watched, followed by NBC with 105.5 billion viewership minutes of live sports. That's a lot of minutes, but number three on the list is 50% higher. That would be ABC's sister company, ESPN, which at 158.5 billion is just behind CBS with 162.4. By process of elimination, you probably know who is number one. That would be Fox, where people have watched 181.7 billion minutes of live sports through the first 10 months of this year. Fox started the year with a big lead. They had the Super Bowl, which was the most watched of all time, with 115 million viewers. They also had the World Series, the Women's World Cup, NASCAR, and this season's most watched NFL game, that being the tilt between the Cowboys and Eagles a week ago, which 27 million people watched. But next year, it might be a different picture. CBS has the Super Bowl in February, and NBC has the Paris Olympics. Fox is on top right now, but keeping the title is not going to be easy. Over to soccer. Congratulations to NJNY Gotham on their first-ever NWSL title. They defeated O.L. Reign in the finals on Saturday. It was the final match in the careers of two soccer legends. Gotham's Allie Krieger got to end her 19-year professional career on a high note, And Megan Rapinoe, who unfortunately sustained an injury that will likely require surgery in the first five minutes of the game. But regardless of the ending, she leaves what is one of the more impactful careers for any athlete. On the field, she's one of the most acclaimed players in U.S. history. She won two World Cup titles, an Olympic gold medal, the 2019 FIFA Golden Ball and Golden Boot, and the 2019 Ballon d'Or. Off the pitch, she was one of the most important and visible fighters for equal pay in soccer, which resulted in the agreement to have the U.S. men's and women's national teams split their winnings starting last year. The impact of that is going to last for many years, and I think before too long we're going to see it in other sports and other countries. You don't always get the storybook ending, but people will be telling the story of Rapinoe's career for decades to come. Up next, the biggest name in sports media enters the sports betting world tomorrow. I spoke to Jeff Zaccodney of Covers.com on how ESPN Bet is going to alter the landscape and whether they can meet their very lofty goals. That conversation is coming up right after this. Very excited to be joined now by Jeff Zaccodney, sports betting journalist at Covers.com. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you. So we haven't done a real State of the Union on sports betting on the show for a little while. So just give us a sense of the landscape that we're looking at as ESPN is entering into the fray.
2: Well, where we're at right now is you have a majority of U.S. states that have legalized some form of sports betting, many of which are also offering online sports betting. And on the industry side, you're starting to see a few big names really grab a hold of uh, most of the market, which are uh FanDuel, DraftKings, and to a lesser extent, BetMGM, MGM. And so into the fray we have now coming ESPN Bet, which is this collaboration between, of course, ESPN uh, and Penn Entertainment, which was previously aligned with Barstool Sports and had the Barstool Sports book. Wasn't quite getting what it wanted out of that relationship, apparently. And so it's now uh struck this very uh costly and an extensive partnership with ESPN uh, to, to use their brand now for its online sports betting endeavor.
0: And we've seen uh, a few names get into the space and then say, actually, this is too expensive, user acquisition, legal costs, then get out of the space. Do we have a sense of um, how big you have to be and maybe how many players this space can accommodate?
2: Yeah, I guess it really depends on what your definition of success is. Do you want to be uh, some t- a Titanic company that has fifty percent market share is that good enough for you? Can you get by uh, with being a smaller operator, perhaps that has connections to brick and mortar casinos, where you can kind of create a-, a system for getting people to go to those properties? So, how big you have to be is sort of an open question. But what we are seeing is a bit of a shakeup, of, you know, recently where we've seen. Uh, some companies come in and then come out uh, and then some consolidation around you know names like FanDuel and DraftKings. And so I think really uh, it's just a question of of uh, how much money you're willing to burn to acquire customers in some cases. But also, too, you've, you've seen other companies like a Churchill Downs, which is, of course, famous for offering betting on horse racing. They came in with their TwinSpires brand. Uh, we're offering online sports betting on, on sports other than horse racing wasn't really doing it for them and now has become, they've transitioned into um, really like a business to business provider of horse racing content to these big uh, sports betting names. And so, you know, people are finding roles for themselves in, in the industry, but yeah, it, it does take a fair amount of money to, to really turn, turn a profit and, and to stay successful.
0: So there are two giant buckets of customers that ESPN bet or any new entrant can go after. They're the ones that, People that already have accounts with FanDuel, DraftKings, other sports books. And then there are new customers who maybe don't have an account or don't have an active one. Is one of those more important than the other for ESPN?
2: Well, for ESPN, I think the value that they're really bringing to this ESPN bet relationship is their just huge database of people who use. ESPN fantasy, but then their ginormous audience as well. We're talking about millions of people watching sports, going to the website, using their apps for updates. That's really the value that they're they're bringing to the table here for Penn. And in Penn's uh, eyes, they can use these customers uh, that our viewers that ESPN has, uh, and then start to you know trans- transport them over to the ESPN bet app. I, and use them there, and this is actually something that Penn has done. So Penn's the the operator partner of ESPN Bet, right? They're they're the gaming company. They run casinos. They ran online sports betting for a long time. They're now going to be the operator of this ESPN Bet app. They have done something similar in Canada, in Ontario, with uh, it's called the Score. The Score is a very popular uh, sports media app where people were getting their scores from, and you know, as the name suggests, and you had. Uh, can buy it and they created, um, you know, the score bet and in a system where you can go on the score, you can see uh, the odds for a game and a few pushes of of the screen, you can be on the score bet app, placing bets if that's what you want. So they've really done a good job of creating this kind of ecosystem that moves people from the media app to uh, the score bet app. And you can really see that that's sort of the vision and something that they're interested in here with the partnership with ESPN.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like ESPN.com is going to be what makes or, or breaks this thing because so many people, I just, you know, if I want a random basketball score or, you know, over hockey, I just want to see what's going on. It's just such an easy one-stop destination to just pop in there. If they can convert people who are just going to the site into betters, and obviously it's gonna be a small percentage of them, but if they can leverage that, that's huge. Otherwise, it just feels like you know, one more company that is is throwing spaghetti at the wall when FanDuel and DraftKings do have such a, a substantial market share that is hard to crack because people are already in the habit of using those apps if they're already betting.
2: Absolutely, I and mean, you've seen too with DraftKings and FanDuel, they've essentially created their own television networks to try to replicate something similar to what. ESPN is already going to bring to the table for ESPN bet. You know they have FanDuel TV, for instance, that has people on there giving the news about sports, but in connection uh, with a sports betting name. And so FanDuel hopes people will then move over to the FanDuel sportsbook app from there. ESPN blows them all out of the water in terms of audience, of course. And so just the having that uh, that huge audience there uh, means that you have a the opportunity to convert a, a good sized chunk of them to ESPN bet users, and we've already seen some of the ideas for um, what it's going to look like on ESPN with this new partnership. So you'll start seeing odds exclusively provided by ESPN bet. I think that's already started to happen, uh, and so you'll, you'll start getting nudges in that kind of way. You know, you're seeing ESPN bet ESPN programming that has used odds from uh, Caesars, and there's been content situations with, with DraftKings as well, that's all going to start just saying ESPN bet. And so now they'll really come November 14th. I assume that's just really going to ramp up because that's 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 go time for them.
0: Yeah. Um, another November date that's on my mind is a year from now when well, I guess I'm in California. We may or may not have a ballot referendum um, to legalize sports betting here. California and Texas are kind of these two behemoths that are on the sidelines right now how important do you think those two states eventually coming eventually legalizing sports betting is for ESPN specifically
2: for ESPN specifically i think that it it would be important uh because it's a, those two states are important for anyone who is getting involved into uh getting involved in, in the in the sports betting industry like they are really two of the three kind of crown jewels of uh the gaming industry in the US along with florida which is a bit of a different situation where you have a legal structure, but it's really um, a one a one company kind of of state. That's just how it, it worked out uh, with, with a compact with the state and and the Seminole tribe there. But Florida, or sorry, California and Texas, like those are really highly sought after markets. There's always going to be interest in trying to uh, crack them in some way, as you point out. There is. A, A proposed ballot initiative that has turned up recently in California, uh, which is interesting because we saw in 2022, there were two uh, separate initiatives that were on the ballot in California and they were resoundingly defeated by voters. It wasn't even close. Uh, But those measures were really competing ones. One suggested in-person sports betting at tribal casinos and at racetracks. The other suggested a statewide online sports betting market where you could have players like FanDuel and DraftKings involved. Both of them went down in flames this time around, looking at uh, a proposed initiative. We don't know if it's going to succeed or not. We don't know if it's going to be on the ballot in the first place. Uh, But just the fact that it's there and that it could, again, be on the ballot really just suggests how uh, interested people are in trying to get sports betting legalized in some fashion in California. Because it's essentially like a whole other, you know, it's it's a country sized state, really, like if you could get that open in some way, uh, the number of customers you could, ha- you know, pitch to try to get to go to your sports book is just massive.
0: Yeah, I live in California. And honestly, the competing campaigns in 2022 is very bizarre. I saw a ton of ads for them. And they're often attacking each other. And also half of them you could watch and have no idea it was about sports betting. They were trying to you know, say, oh, we're just creating this fund. It's going to do all this great stuff. And yeah, anyway, very strange. I think they'll take a more straightforward, perhaps one measure approach uh, if, if there's a new effort, I think there were some lessons learned there. There's another big player trying to carve out territory in the sports betting world. And that's fanatics. If you were to place a bet on ESPN or Fanatics sort of making it long-term? Who are you, who are you taking there?
2: Oh. oh, that's a really good question because they're they're both really uh, interesting entries into the sports betting world because of the non-gaming assets they bring to the table. Fanatics has this huge database of people that are buying jerseys and hats with them. And then ESPN has this giant um, customer, sorry, viewer data, you know, of army that's out there really that's using their app that's watching their shows if i had to bet if i had to bet i would probably side with espn just because the money's essentially already been paid um the investment has been made by Penn uh to license that trademark and espn now is going to bring this massive um just Giant audience with it now, and really just use the full force of that to try to convert its viewers uh, to sports betting users. And so, I think I would just go with ESPN just based on the size of that company and its prominence by nature. It's a company that's very uh, well known. Like it's in the business of being public (laughs) and trying getting people's attention. So um, I would do that, but I would not by any means you know write off Fanatics. What they're doing is very interesting. They've also made some significant significant investments, such as by buying the U.S. assets of PointsBet, which was a smaller player uh, in, in the legal sports betting world. But they've shown that they're in it to win it too. So I think I would give the edge to ESPN, but by by no means is Fanatics you know they, They're very close behind, I would think, in, in any situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, that basic analysis is, is where I come down on that question, I think. I feel like the ESPN... Game recognition, which is you know basically <laughs> the entire United States, um, is it, just so much more. I think like a lot of people might own Fanatics merch and not even know what Fanatics is. So I, I just feel like you, you'd rather be dealt that hand than than other than over Fanatics, which is still in a pretty decent position for entering into this very tough market. Before we let you go, what are you just watching for in terms of how the sports betting market evolves in the next few years?
2: I think there's there's a few different things to watch for. One is any success we see with legalizing sports betting in California or Texas, those would be just landmark events for the industry, right? Right now, the biggest legal sports betting market in the US is New York. And if you look at New York compared to California's population, it's what, half? You know, just o- opening up California would just be such an uh, sea change f- for the business that... Um, even as these companies right now are kind of settling into um, a glide path toward profitability, if California legalized sports betting tomorrow, they would dig into their pockets for whatever it takes to try to acquire as many customers as possible, I think. Um, so that is something that we're going to keep watching on this movement in, in the state legislatures there or on the ballot me- uh, measure front, depending what happens there. Um, you know, Texas, there's always ongoing interest from the local sports teams as well as You know, the Texas Sports Betting Alliance, which has brought together those teams as well as some of the uh, sports betting operators to try and get something legalized there. And then I think uh, what we're kind of hearing right now from the industry, um, if you you set aside the potential of California or Texas legalizing the expense you would see there, we're kind of entering a period of reflection, I think, um, among sports betting operators. And considering the product that they're offering to people, we're we're really starting to see um, them try to outdo each other with with what they're offering to their customers. We we had an an announcement from DraftKings during their earnings call last week that they've got a new product, you know, a new feature in the works that's going to be announced at their investor day, which just so happens to be on November 14th when ESPN Bet launches. Um, That might have been... I don't know if that's coincidental or not um, for, for me, either of them there. But yeah, it, we're really entering into a situation where these operators are wondering what customers want, what they can give them that will differentiate them from other operators. Because the period of throwing out giant $5,000 matching bonuses has kind of come and gone unless we were to have, again, a, a significant state really open. Um, and these companies are trying to prove that they can be profitable with just sports betting. And doing that means trying to innovate on the product f- front, trying to find, um, you know, we've seen success with same game parlays, things like that. So it's sort of like, what, what's the next, what's the next big thing for them there? What's going to get people interested uh, in sports betting that that's not out there yet?
0: Yeah, yeah, very interesting, Jeff Sigourney. Thanks so much for joining us on the show.
2: Thanks again for having me.
0: That's it for today. Subscribe to Front Office Sports today on your favorite podcast app and drop us a rating and review while you're there. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you tomorrow.